You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. I'm so excited for this conversation because on the one hand, I'm like, we every single year talk about, you know, how politicians are commemorating Freedom Day and they get an opportunity to reflect on are we truly free? Is it really a day to celebrate? Is it a happy Freedom Day? And we are like, actually, let's talk about what freedom means through our Bill of Rights. Let's really break down the different rights that we have available to us. Many of us uh, have not even opened up a constitution. So let's talk about what is in there, um, that book that uh, holds the key to our freedoms. We're joined by advocate Tsidiso Tipanyane, who's an expert on the South African Constitution and Bill of Rights. Advocate, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you and to your listeners and happy Freedom Day. Is it a happy Freedom Day, Advocate? Let's be real. Is it a happy one? Well, it's a, it's a mixture uh, of blessings and challenges. Mm, uh, blessings mm. in the sense that, you know, uh, from 94, we now have our own democratic government which we vote for. And we are fighting issues of unfair discrimination. Yes. We're trying to address many of the problems. Uh, you know, which basically we inherited in 1994. Yes. Uh, a challenge that, you know, however, we are not doing such a great job uh, 28 years later. And a number of concerns, we are seeing high levels of corruption, which then also undermine and also undo yes. some of the gains we have made, but also some of the achievements we should be making as a country. Mm-hmm. So let's let's uh, uh, speak about the basic principles of the Bill of Rights. What was the purpose of the Bill of Rights? Well, let me start by saying, first of all, it is the responsibility of any government uh, to promote and protect human rights. It's there in Section 7 of our Constitution. Because remember, people come together to form societies and form governments. And one of the most important things for which bring them together is the maximization of their lives, their liberty, their freedoms and happiness. And that's why then they form governments in order to achieve this. That's why they pay taxes in order to achieve this. So human rights then are basically the, the Bible, so to speak, or, or the map then which government must then follow in order to be the governments which are created for. So just in terms of, and maybe this is more of, you know, you having your ear to the ground and not you being an advocate. Do you think the average South African actually knows and understands their basic human rights and the Bill of Rights? Well, I think the majority of South Africans uh, do understand human rights. First of all, you know, we fought against apartheid on the basis of of human rights. A better life for all. Uh, we marched to Pretoria, we wanted freedom, look at the Freedom Charter, we want equality, we want uh, democracy, we want uh, socioeconomic rights, right to health, housing, uh, education, better uh, things. Uh, so all those things we've been fighting for as a people, even before 1994. So the Bill of Rights, to a large extent, simply uh, uh, you know, uh, captures all those uh, demands in one document, which now government must implement, which bodies like the Human Rights Commission must ensure that it is being impacted. And that's why we even have courts and lawyers and NGOs to make sure that this right, which are basically the basis of, of us, even the section 7, section 1 of the, of the, of the Constitution, was mm. in this country that is actually based on values of dignity, human rights, equality, narcissism, and non-racialism. 
So mm-hmm. basically, this is, this is the, 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 what, what they call you know, the crew norm or the foundation of who we are as South Africans. Mm. So yes, there might be some people who are not fully aware of, of all the rights, uh, but certainly I think every person in this country has demands, and those demands are human rights. Everybody wants a house, everyone wants to eat, or wants to send their children to, to, to school and have health and have health and education, wants to feel safe in their homes, have electricity, all those are human rights issues. So, so advocate, I mean, um, just in terms of the Bill of Rights, which are there to protect the rights of every South African, what does that mean for those who are living in this country and that are not South African? But I want to specifically identify those that may even be here illegally. What are the basic rights that they are afforded, especially, you know, with some of the protest actions and, and the conversations that are happening at the moment about what should happen about foreigners that are in the country illegally? I just want us to get an understanding that by the, by the base, on the basis of you being a human being, you are afforded certain rights. Yes. Uh, human, human rights are for all human beings. That's why, you know, at the Universal Declaration of Human Rights of 1948, uh, it says human rights are universal. Every human being has a right to enjoy human rights by virtue of being a human being. Mm. However, human rights are limited. So you can't enjoy all the rights fully at all the time, at any time. Mm. Let's take the right, for example, the right to vote. You can't have a three-year-old child voting, what do they know? So rights are limited, and in terms of our constitution, those, the rights, the limitation of rights must be done in a proper manner. Mm. Now let's come to issues of non-national. Our Bill of Rights is very clear. Only South Africans have the right to be in this country. Mm. Other people can only be in this country through laws which allow them to be in this country. You're either a refugee, or you have a visa, or in the permanent residence. Now, if you don't have a right, a legal right to be in the country, not, not a best right, but a legal right, mm. then the government has the right to deport you mm. because you don't belong here. Mm. That's why every week people are being deported from our country. Mm. However, when we trust in the Bill of Rights, let me check most provisions in the Bill of Rights. Say everyone, everyone has a right to life, dignity. So whether you are a non-national, undocumented or not, or not undocumented, because you are a human being, you are entitled to rights. Like mm. Right to life, right to dignity, and so forth. However, you don't have the right to be in this country, and therefore, if you're not here without permission, then the government must remove you. Mm, the problem mm. is this, that you know, unfortunately, government is not being doing that well by allowing people who are not supposed to be here to be here. At the same time, not only government, as you've heard from the Minister of Home Affairs, our own uh, officials are also selling IDs and passports to people who don't belong here. Mm. But our South Africans also employ people who don't have papers. They also uh, rent houses to them. So we can't just blame government, but blame all ourselves mm. to see how we sort out this problem. Because then it does create problems, because it means, for example, government has not been able to plan properly. And that's why now there's competition for scarcity like housing, uh, jobs, and stuff like that. So the problem must be managed. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, the, the control of borders is done quite tightly. Mm. So if you look at section, uh, if you look at section 198, if I'm not mistaken, it says that, you know, this national security means that Africans must leave 
in peace and harmony, but also safe in the country. Look at Section 205, the role of the police is to protect the country from internal as well as external threats. That's mm-hmm. why then the army and the police are there to, pro- to protect our, our borders and ensure that those who don't belong here should leave. Mm-hmm. However, we also take on refugees. We take on many foreigners, we bring them a permanent residence. Some of them marry our children and some of them work here. Mm-hmm. So we need to be very careful, you know, as to how we deal with this issue. So one problem is this, there's been very difficult. You know, because people are not forced to carry paper to determine who does not belong here and who belongs there. Now, what has happened is that, unfortunately, they've been targeting largely African people. Mm. They're also European and Asians who don't belong here. Mm. Who don't have papers, but nobody asks them because they look differently. So we ended up targeting very dark uh, Africans only. Mm. That also creates problems. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to jump to um, is I want us to chat in detail about each specific right and we'll go through each one right and then i mean we know that talking about what what is written in paper what is cast in stone is not necessarily implemented in real life and we'll get to that towards the end of the conversation but i want to start with the right to equality and it reads as as follows that this right is the most violated one in south africa according to a 2017 report by the south african human rights commission the right states that everyone is equal and must be treated equally no one has the right to discriminate against you based on your race, your gender, sex, marital status, ethnic or social origin, color, sexual orientation, age, disability, religion, conscience, belief, culture, language or birth, among others. Now, I want to preface us getting into the right to equality to use a scenario like the industry that I'm in, for example. Sometimes... You know, if let's say there's a television show and they want to create a, a talk show and they're looking for a talk show host and then they say, you know, please apply. We're looking for woman age group this to this. Um, and th- this is what the qualities are that we are looking for. Why is that particular scenario? And maybe there are other scenarios like being an air hostess where they have certain preferences as to what you need to look like. Why is it that those scenarios are not discrimination according to the right of equality? Because the right to equality in our constitution uh, only prevents unfair discrimination. Mm. So if the discrimination is not fair, then it's allowed. Mm. And we do have to show that it is a fair discrimination. If it's not fair, then you'll be in trouble. So as I was saying, for example, uh, the issue of everyone has a right to vote in this country, but we say children cannot vote. Everyone has a right to marry, but we say you can't marry at a certain age, below a certain age, mm. or you can't marry your daughter. Mm. The so those are uh, fair discriminations. And and then we also have international law. One other thing we should need to mention is that, you know, South Africa is part of the global community. So there are a number of international human rights instruments which were ratified, which also speaks to all the other rights which we cannot even imagine now, you know, but they are there. We've, we've ratified this government and they are part of our, our, of our the human rights framework. So when we look at human rights in our country, we not only look at the Bill of Rights, 
They also have international instruments as well as the African instruments, which also pertain to human rights, which were ratified. Mm. You know, CEDAW for women, uh, CRC for children, uh, socioeconomic rights at the UN, the rights of migrants and abandoned migrants, uh, the you know the rights of uh, um, uh, 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 the rights of culture people, uh, issues around corruption, so many many international instruments which deal with rights, labour rights, and so forth. So, how do we define? And I mean, it's it would be easy for one to say it will be common sense as as to what is fair and what is unfair. If somebody were to take a specific situation or a case to the to the constitutional court to to say, you know, this was discrimination, how, what measurement does the court use to say it was fair or it was unfair? Okay. Yeah. Well, before we get there, we have the Equality Act. The PUDA, the, the Promotion of Equality and Prevent, Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act. So in terms of our constitutional framework, once we have an act of parliament which speaks to a right, we then use that act uh, as a basis for how we conduct ourselves. It's called uh, the principle of uh, 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 reciprocity, something like that, which means that uh, the Bill of Rights is a guide, but the act of parliament is the one then uh, which, uh, um, uh, uh, which then needs to define. So basically then, our conduct around equality is largely managed by the Equality Act, as well as the Employment Equity Act and many other acts. So now, the Equality Act provides for equality court. So every participant court in this country should be an equality court. And those courts are free. So if you feel that you are a victim of unfair discrimination, you go to those courts and say, I've been discriminated. Second, we have bodies like the Human Rights Commission, Gender Commission, and others, uh, which also deal with these issues. And I, I would like to believe that, you know, 25 years later, there is a better understanding of, of how these issues go. Secondly, uh, if you look at Section 9 then, of the Constitution, as well as the Equality Act, it says that, you know, where there is discrimination on the basis of the listed clouds, like race, gender, disability, and whatever, that discrimination is deemed to be unfair unless proven otherwise. Mm. So if I have a bar and say no women allowed, uh, that already uh, becomes uh, presumed to be unfair discrimination. You simply have to show that you are not allowed because you're a woman and the owner of the bar then must explain why they excluded you. Maybe you didn't have mine, whatever. Mm. And then if uh, there's no other resolution, it goes, it goes to the Equality Court or to the Human Rights Commission before it goes to the Constitutional Court. Of course, matters eventually go to our court, like the case of Tolani and Masuku and a few others. Mm, mm. Uh, Advocate, have I lost you? Are you still there? I'm here, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. Sorry, Sorry. I, th- I thought I'd lost I'm you. Okay. You. Yes, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. And obviously, the court would have to deal on these situations on a case-by-case basis because we have seen, you know, various stories that have come up in the news where people, for example, will complain and say, you know, Cape Town is racist. The moment that um, they saw I'm a black person, they didn't allow me to stay in this certain place. And now my question is, you know, from the from the legal perspective, how does one demonstrate or show proof in inverted commas that they were discriminated against based on race? And I mean, obviously, this means that we have to put a lot of faith in the judges that are sitting in the Constitutional Court. Yeah. Now, the Human Rights Commission over the past eight years has been dealing with, on average, I think, 
they get more than what, 10,000 complaints a year. And uh, the majority of those cases are actually around quality uh, matters. But also we have 300 quality calls in our country. Oh, wow. Uh, where, people can, where people can go. And they're free. Mm-hmm. You ask me also, it's free. So I quality calls free. Unfortunately, <laughs> not many people are using quality calls. Mm-hmm. And you look at the number of, of matters which go to quality calls, uh, it's not that good. Many people are not aware of this calls. It's been around since the act was, was, uh, was adopted in 2000. That's over 20, that's 20 years now. Mm. And they do give reports in the, in the report of the Department of Justice on how they are failing. But also remember that NGO, there's the media. So uh, this country is it's quite, uh, as far as issues of equality are concerned, I think South Africans are very, very uh, um, much aware of these issues. Mm. Uh, because really this is what we've been fighting against in our country. Discrimination, whether it's gender or race or ethnicity, stroke, tribalism, and so forth. Uh, South Africans are very vibrant with issues of equality. And I guess uh, that's why people deal with these issues. And people will know, you know, once they feel that they've been discriminated against. And they, they will make noise. Mm. And they will protest and whatever. But also remember, but it's like the Human Rights Commission. Don't have to wait for complaints to come their way. If they come across issues where there is issues of racism, then they'll also have to act. Mm. So I would want to argue that 20 years later, uh, we're quite vibrant. Of course, there'll always be some people who might not know about how best to fight when they're victims of discrimination. Some might want to go to court and realize it's very expensive. Mm. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I think, uh, you know, that's one area really uh, where I think uh, we are quite vibrant as a country in addressing issues of uh, gender discrimination, uh, race, mm. and maybe class. Mm. But there are still problems. I mean, let's, let's take the issue you're raising about now. Let's take schools now. Definitely uh, public schools are not doing as well as private schools. Mm. But now you don't have money, you can go to a, a private school. So is it unfair discrimination or not? Well, they'll say we have public schools. Mm. So, you know, so we still have these subtle ways uh, of perpetuating uh, discrimination in terms of residence. You don't have money, you can't live in Alton. Uh, if you don't have money, you can't go to a private hospital. You can't go to a private, a private school. Uh, so, and yet we say we're all equal. Mm. So those are some of the issues which we need to be fighting, that, you know, uh, ultimately, you remember Martin Luther's uh, 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 speech mm. that, you know, he's hoping for a day where one will not be judged by the color of their skin or, if I may say, the sex, but they should just simply be judged by the character. Mm. Unfortunately, mm. in our country like this, you are still judged according to race, gender, and class, where you come from, what language you speak, how you worship God or you don't worship God. So it's a bloody mess. So mm, mm. Let's let's quickly jump on before we head uh, to the news in a moment. I want to talk about human dignity, the right to human dignity. Now, how do we measure human dignity? Because we all, you know, will feel in our gut in certain situations. For example, you know, if you if you come across a car accident and there's somebody who happens to be laying there naked, you're naturally going to want to cover them. You know, or we all know and we have our feelings about how a body should be treated. But what what does the law actually say about human dignity? Yes, that's also one of the third chapters in our country. You know, we come from the philosophy of Ubuntu. 
and you definitely know what Ubuntu means and Ubuntu means. You can tell it. Mm. But it's also about it's also about respect of the other. It's also treating someone the way you'd like to be treated. It's also not about insulting somebody without any reason, uh, calling people stupid or whatever. Uh, you know? So it, that's why, you know, Section 1 says this country, one of the founding values of our country is dignity. Mm-hmm. And the court has also said, you know, the right to dignity is one of the most important rights. It's about you. The moment you take away my dignity, my respect, where am I? Mm-hmm. Human rights about uh, about ascending us. So before you can talk about the housing and water, the dignity, that's social security, you know? That's, that's, that's what. And therefore, we have to develop understanding and rules about human dignity. So issues of the altitude and other people in Kando. And I remember a few years ago, that incident in Johannesburg, where they were stripping young women because they were wearing pants or mini skirts. That undermining the dignity, mm. the sense of being, Ubuntu. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, you know, due to the past, our Ubuntu in this country is really in a big dent. Mm. At the political level, in churches, in the streets, and whatever, the whole issue of rape. Rape itself is one gruesome example of undermining someone's dignity. Mm, mm. Yo, and it's so interesting how dignity obviously touches um, almost like connects all of uh, the other rights of which we're still going to come back to. We're having a masterclass on the Bill of Rights, all of the rights that you have as South Africans. We've touched on the right to equality and human dignity. We still got the right to life, freedom and security, personal privacy, freedom of expression and a whole lot of other ones But we'd love to hear from you. What is your understanding of your rights? Do you feel like the government and citizens of this country are doing everything that they can to preserve our rights and our Bill of Rights? Do you think our Bill of Rights needs to be relooked and maybe revised, considering that some of these rights are not actually protected in real life? Looking forward to engaging with you. 011-883-0702 is where you can give us a call or the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. It's 2.30. Masterclass. And we're continuing our masterclass on the Bill of Rights. We are chatting to an expert on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights advocate, Tiliso Tibanyani. We had already touched on the right to equality and the right to dignity. We now are going to delve into all of the other rights. And you can participate in the conversation. Give us a call, 011-883-0702. Or you can send us a WhatsApp with your message or your voice note, 072702. So, Advocate, let's move on to the next right, which is the right to life. Um, And it specifically says everyone has a right to life and nobody, not even the state, has the right to take a life. This means that no person can be sentenced to death by the courts. Um, I mean, this is quite a straightforward one. Do you think there is um, some kind of misunderstanding when it comes to things like mob justice where people lose their lives because they were either caught you know stealing cables or breaking in or um because somebody accused them of rape do you think society um does not understand that taking a life there are no circumstances where it should be done yes uh, let me start by saying in a bit of a controversial manner <laughs> that there is a right to... Remember, all rights can be limited, mm. so including the right to life, unfortunately. 
uh, in the following scenarios. The police have the right to kill in defense of other people mm. in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act. But that right, that, that, that right has to be carefully um, uh, uh, implemented. And if you make a mistake, then you'll be in trouble. You can also kill in self-defense. Mm. But if you exceed the parameters of self-defense, then you're in trouble. Then the controversial one, you know, issues of abortion, mm. uh, what happens? Then, secondly, uh, there is a, a court case which uh, some of us uh, might be involved in on the, the right to euthanasia, that people should have the right to take away their lives and be assisted by others. Mm. But uh, now back to the issue. Yes, uh, the right to life is a fundamental right that we should not easily tanker with. Now, with the example you are given, unfortunately, you know, people still don't fully understand this right and they allow their emotions and anger uh, to take over and then take life, uh, assume mob justice. And sometimes innocent people get killed. Mm. And sometimes there is no due, proce- due, due uh, procedure followed. And then sadly, you also then undermine the rule of law. You also undermine the role of the state to be the one dealing with issues. Mm. And also there is no proper investigation. What is with this person is aware of many other issues. And so it does not also augur well for our ability to fight crime. Mm. So we need to educate our people. Yes, you might be very upset. Someone has raped a child. Someone has killed somebody. But let the law take its course. Let us get these people arrested, help the police to investigate. Unfortunately, on the other hand as well, I think due to the many failings of our criminal justice system, the failings of the police, the courts and prisons, and, and the persecution, then people, you know, become very impatient. They say, listen, we get someone arrested, tomorrow they're out on bail, mm. and then this person goes and they are friends. And unfortunately, it's another terrible chapter in our country that sometimes, you know, people who have been convicted of rape and murder, when they come out, they still do offend. Mm. And I guess people then get tired. But really, the, the right to life is a, is a very important right, and we should really guard Carefully. Otherwise, you know, when we start to allow people to take lives whenever they feel like what kind of a country are we going to be? So in the same manner then, look at the number of rapes and murders in our country. Mm. So despite this right, we still have thousands of South Africans who are killed every year by criminals through murder, mm. through rape, through robbery. You also have silly people who go and drive reckless in the roads and kill other people. We have people fighting and having other people being killed. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, there is really an important uh, role which we could still play to get everyone to respect the right to life, the life as a sanctity, right? And nobody should really uh, play around with this right. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned some important ones, but we know that the law is clear when it comes to the scenarios of abortion and in the case of self-defense, um, you know, the circumstances would have to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. For example, if somebody's breaking into your home, um, you can't just shoot them um, if your life is not necessarily being threatened. Though one might feel that by virtue of you being in my house, my life is is under threat. Yeah, so it is also important then for the state to uh, fulfill the other right. Mm. The right for people to feel free in their homes, in the streets. The right for the police 
to protect the citizens against criminal doing. Then there will be less temptation for people to resort to self-help. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to um, and and before we move on but to free- before before we move on to the issue, isn't yes. about the right to life. So what about those who don't have food and health mm. uh, and then they die? There are also lots of people who die due to preventable diseases. Uh, we had recently now in Eastern Cape there were children suffering from malnutrition. Mm. So that is also right to life. Mm. That is the fascinating about fascinating about right to life. You know, it's not it should not also be seen in the narrow sense. It also manifests in other rights. So if you don't have a house, you don't have access to health, you don't have access to food, you don't have access to, to water, then you will die ultimately. Mm, mm. And then who's responsible then for taking away your life? Yes, yes. All right, let's quickly go to uh, 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 the lines. We've got Rick in Morningside. Hi, Rick. Uh, good afternoon. We have mm. Go ahead, Rick. I'd like to ask about Clause 13 in the Bill of Rights, slavery, servitude, and forced labor. Mm. So it's very short and very pithy. It simply says no one may be subjected to slavery, servitude, or forced labor. Mm-hmm. However, if your business owner, SARS requires you to collect, and notice I say collect, mm. tax on behalf of SARS, uh, UIF, PYE, mm. uh, FDL, etc., subject to very stringent conditions and subject to serious penalties if one doesn't. Mm. Now, surely that is servitude, if not servitude, then at least forced labor and therefore completely unconstitutional that SARS demands this of us. Mm, that's a very, very interesting way of looking at it. Advocate, what are your thoughts on what Rick is saying? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a family's understanding of those rights. Uh, the right to slavery, the, the right against slavery, it means that you should not uh, exploit another human being as a slave and use our labor for a profit without any compensation whatsoever. Now, if you're employing someone, no, you see, that, that's not happening. It's illegal. So, so, so wait, Rick, you, you are saying free. SARS is making you work right. for, for, for free. Uh, okay. Tax for, for them. They can never compensate us for collecting the tax and paying it over to them. Okay, so and just just hold hold that thought, Rick. Let's let's get clarity from the advocate, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you. So, advocate, so the angle that he's saying, and I, I get the question that he's asking, is that SARS is making you work for them for free, basically? No, SARS, as a government entity. Remember, as I was saying earlier on, when we come together to form a country. We elect the government, mm. and the government must do a number of things, including protecting us. We have to pay taxes to that government to make it run. So SARS will only collect money from you if you're making income. Mm. If you have no income, you can't be forced by SARS to give the money. Mm. But if you're going to employ other people and you pay them, or they make work, they, they, they create money for you, you have to give a percentage to SARS. Mm. It cannot be slavery. That's a different uh, understanding together of what, what slavery is. No, so what he's yes. saying is he's working for free because SARS, it's, if, if it's SARS's job to collect from your employees, but they're making yes. you as the boss do the collecting for free. But that is the law of the country, which mm. we have signed up to. 
that, you know, if you are an employer, you have to pass the tax you pay, the tax your people are paying after you pay them. Mm. Mm. That is the law. If you don't like the law, challenge the law in court. Mm. Or go to parliament and get that law to be amended. But as long as that law stands, it means it's a law which governs us as the people of this country. All right, Rick, thank you so much for your call. And I guess it also goes back, uh, advocate, to what you're saying is that laws are limited. Um, they're not just straightforward and they just supersede anything that, 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 um, you encounter. So on that note, let's move on. You, we mentioned the one about freedom and security. And one of the things, um, is that freedom security no one can be put in prison without good reason be detained without trial be tortured in any way or be treated or punished in a cruel inhumane or degrading way that all humans have a right to be free from all forms of violence from either public or private sources um, any arrested person has a right to a lawyer and cannot be uh, forced to speak or to make a confession and i think this one uh, 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 refers to arrested and detained uh, persons what are the important things we need to know particularly Particularly about prisoners, you know, because many South Africans believe that they're living such a nice holiday and they have too many rights. Yeah, let me start first with the right of torture. Remember, we come from an era where torture was a norm. Mm. And uh, that's why we put Section 12 that you say no one should be tortured by the state under any circumstances. Mm. Uh, the police must find, do their work and get the evidence without torturing people. Because the moment you torture people, you're opening a floodgate to massive uh, abuse of human rights. Uh, now, prisoners, uh, are human beings also have rights. They go to prison for the wrongdoing they've done, but they should not be treated like animals. Mm. We punish them, but we don't treat them like animals. Hence, those rights in Section 35 to protect the rights of arrested, accused and uh, detained people. That they are still human beings. They have stolen, they've been naughty, and they'll be punished by removing their mo- the freedom of movement, mm. denying them a, a number of rights as punishment. And we try and rehabilitate them. If they've done worse crimes, we sentence them to life. They might stay there for 25 years, but they are still human beings. Because mm. remember, the basis for human rights, all human rights, all human beings, entitled to human rights, regardless of who they are, what they do, where they come from. Mm. We then limit those rights depending on the circumstances. So if you commit a crime, we convict you, we limit your right to freedom mm. and punishment. Mm. Mm. Okay, I completely we understand we that. We won't, we won't put you underwater and allow a rest with your feet in prison. That's inhuman. Yes, yes, yes. So let's talk about personal privacy. No one, not even the government, has the right to search your house or property or even have your possessions seized without following the correct legal channels. The government cannot infringe on the privacy of your communication. This includes opening your mails or listening to your phone calls. That is one of the major rights which is having serious problems given by government. Because remember, human beings are sovereign. Each individual is sovereign. We come together to form a state. So we are not giving away our right to be human beings when we form a state. We minimize our rights in forming a state. So you cannot therefore take my right to privacy without any good reason. You are not taking away my being. Mm. And if my being stops to exist, there is no human being, there is no society. So we need to limit those rights with 
serious, serious. Unfortunately, due to technology and other issues, uh, somehow we think we can always uh, snoop on people, open their letters, listen to their emails, stuff like that. However, the lawyers also come up with a method to try and minimize that. So if you intrude into someone's privacy, the information you get there, if it's not been sanctioned by court order, will not be used in the court of law. Unfortunately, you know, our right to privacy is completely being undermined by technology. You walk anywhere, the camera is looking at you, uh, your cell phone uh, movements are being watched, your DPRS is being watched. So we need to be very, very careful society that we do not uh, allow the state to completely take away this right. Mm, it's mm. our right to dignity. I mean, you know, you wouldn't like anyone snooping into your letters, your cell phone, even your children. And that, but so many of us are afraid. I mean, I know so many people who sit with, um, you know, the little camera on their laptop. It's covered. It constantly has a sticker yes. on it because they say the government is watching, the government is listening. People are always watching, people are always listening. Yeah. The government, in terms of interception monitoring act, has a right to a court order to listen to your cell phone, to listen to international calls, to open your letters, and everything else. But that requires a court order, and there must be a good reason for that. Unfortunately, people tend to abuse those rights, and that's why the question is very clear. The information you have gathered illegally will not be used in the court of law. Mm-hmm. All but right. Also, we need to punish those who undermine the right much more severely so that they land. Do not spy on us without any good students. So this, this, is, this is my question then. You know, if you're saying um, that wouldn't be uh, admissible in court, what if the thing that's admissible in court that the person did not give you permission to to record is like them confessing to murder? Are there exceptions to that rule? Again, you see, it depends then on uh, how communication is recorded. You know, if I'm talking to you and you record my phone, maybe at work uh, you record my phone is a violation of a... Uh, that all the liberations of, 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 of public bodies must be protected without accepting the court order. In cabinet documents are classified. So there are, there are different levels which we need to uh, be very, very careful of. Mm. But, uh, you know, the court should always lean on the side of the right to privacy. And mm. therefore, anyone who interferes with that right must come up with a serious excuses. There mm. must be a law. Even if there's a law, that law must also be scrutinized that the law does not unduly undermine the right. And as you know, over the past 25 years, a number of laws have been declared to be unconstitutional, including our own Equality Act. Uh, in Kualani, the courts made the ruling that, you know, the Equality Act, uh, unfortunately, in terms of Section 10 and 12, the problem there, it must be limited. Mm. too wide a mm. scope. So that's why we have the courts, that's why we have bodies like Women's Rights Commission to actually test that all the laws which have been passed are in line with the Constitution. In terms of the Constitution, there is no law no policy, no conduct, which is contrary to the Constitution, which will be allowed. In so terms... Which goes against the Constitution. Yes, yes. Section, Sorry, just finish what you're saying. Yeah. Section 1. Mm. Anything which is contrary to the Constitution, whether it's law or policy or act, is unconstitutional. In terms of... Uh, the right to freedom of expression. I mean, it's been a big part of conversation with, you know, Elon Musk, for example, acquiring Twitter and saying he wants, you know, he wants to give people more rights to freedom of expression. And this is one right 
that uh, many contest because some will say it is impeding on my right to dignity, for example. Now, how does that get managed? At what point is somebody's freedom of expression more important than somebody else's rights? Yeah. Now, that's another uh, uh, interesting one. If I may just go back a little bit. There are basically three sets of rights which are deemed to be very important. Right to dignity, right to life, and freedom of expression. Mm. The Americans uh, tend to push the right to freedom of expression over every other right. Mm. In South Africa, we're saying, no, 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 the right to freedom of expression must be balanced with the right to dignity. Mm. Now, if you look then at hate speech, we say you're allowed to speak, but we won't allow hate speech. So it's a very important right because that right also is crucial for democracy. That's how people express themselves. The right to uh, peaceful uh, protest and assembly is about us, who we are. If you cannot talk, you can't express yourself, then you're no longer human. Mm. So it's a very, very important right which has to be promoted, but at the same time, it must also be protected from abuse. Mm. So, for example, if you're then going to say, no, uh, let's kill all the Zulus, uh, that's hate speech. It won't be allowed. Mm. Uh, you are allowed to say Zulus are not good people, ABCD, as long as you're not violating the rules. You see? Because it's really about individual dignity. Mm. All human beings are sovereign and must be protected. In realized language, we can say every human being is a holy being mm. and must be protected. And I, I think it's interesting you say that because just uh, yesterday we're speaking uh, to, I, I can't recall her title, but she works with the, the, the gender department at VITS. And we're speaking specifically about perjury cases where a woman falsely accuses a man of rape. But what she was saying is that it was recently decided that you can actually uh, call a person a rapist if they have not been convicted of the crime, if whatever is existing supports the fact that they are a rapist. Yes, let's take the old uh, uh, defamation law. The defense for, de- for defamation was that it must be truthful and it must be justifiable. Mm. So if you are a rapist and you have been raped, you're going to sue me for, for defamation. You have to uh, show that you're not, you're not raped. Mm. You haven't raped, then of course you might walk squat free. So, uh, you know, so, so the law is also quite uh, a tricky animal, my sister, because, you know, it keeps on devo- developing, uh, changing. Remember, many years ago, before 1988, a, a married woman could be raped. <laughs> a married woman was a minor. The law has changed. Mm. Many years ago, if a black person, you had no rights. Mm. The law has changed. Uh, many years ago, if you had a different sexual orientation, you would be in trouble. Now you can't. Mm, mm. So, so our understanding of life as we go on also allows us to have a better understanding of rights. Yes, yes, yes. And I think you, you are helping us navigate. I mean, we are jumping over freedom of association, political rights, um, citizenship, housing, and uh, children. But I want to quickly touch on um, the one of education. I am curious about, because of the the challenges that we're faced with in um, um, the education, but also in the health um, uh, space, where the word basic is used. So when you say basic education or basic health services, 
in our country, it seems like basic is like bare minimum. What should basic be and how is that interpreted? Should a person be able to, you know, sue the Minister of Health and the whole department or sue a school because there was not a proper toilet and their child may have died there or somebody might have lost their child um, while giving birth because they were not adequately attended to? Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, uh, take. I'll tell you why. Because you see, uh, the so-called socioeconomic rights, rights to housing, water, education, uh, for a long time, some people do not see them as rights which could be enforced. Uh, so, for example, America has refused to ratify the international government on economic and social rights, uh, and, and, we, and we introduced this issues in 1994, and we said this rights are enforceable, People were saying, hey, it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, so the wording, unfortunately, of some of the rights uh, is a bit different from other rights. So you have the right to, to vote. The state must uh, ensure that you are able to vote. But when it comes to education, we then start uh, qualifying the rights. We talk about basic education. We talk about higher education. Uh, it must be realized progressively. Uh, within available uh, resources. So can you imagine now say that you'll be able to vote progressively within available resources? So it means that you guys in Soweto, government hasn't got money, so you can't vote this year. There'll be riots. So it shows that, you know, we still have to acknowledge and see socioeconomic rights as important as other rights, which are called civil political rights, you know, right to, uh, to vote and right to elect. So that, that, that's a struggle we're still having now as a country. That you know, uh, if you are saying that the dignity of a person matters, socioeconomic rights also matter. Mm. Housing, health, education, and secondly, going back to the issue now, education is of vital importance. That's how then a human being is able to realize their potential. You look at the preamble of our constitution; it says that we hope for a South Africa where people will be able to maximize their potential. Mm. How do you maximize your potential if you don't get education or you get half-baked education or what? Advocate, I'm unfortunately going to have to leave it there because we've run out of time and I, I see that some of your questions came through that we didn't get to, but thank you so much for joining us on this Masterclass on the Bill of Rights on this Freedom Day. That is Advocate Sidi Sod Sibanyane, expert on the South African Constitution and Bill of Rights.